colonies, that the great majority of Americans taken prisoner had been confined in and around the city, that appalling numbers of them had died. The rest was pretty hazy. A bit of digging turned up a couple of out-of-print monographs and a small handful of scholarly articles, but that was all. Thorburn, it seemed, got it right. The old sugar house had indeed slipped the bonds of memory, taking with it a piece of American history that we should have remembered. My curiosity about the sugar house eventually blossomed into a study of all the prisons and prisoners of occupied New York. After four or five years of wandering through the sources, private correspondence, diaries, memoirs, newspapers, pension applications, and government records, I reached several conclusions that lie at the heart of forgotten patriots. First, the numbers involved are a lot bigger than I had anticipated. Before now, approximately 18,000 Americans were thought to have been captured by the British from 1775 to 1783, of whom 8,500 succumbed to disease and starvation. For reasons that will become clear, I think the number of captives may actually have exceeded 30,000 and that 18,000, 60% or more of them didn't survive, well over twice the number of American soldiers and seamen who fell in battle, now believed to have been around 6,800. That is a mean, ugly story. It is also a story that enlarges our understanding of how the United States was made not merely by bewigged gentlemen who thought deeply, talked well, and wrote gracefully, but also by thousands upon thousands of mostly ordinary people who believed in something they considered worth dying for. My second conclusion was that with very few exceptions, contemporary accounts of the British prisons in New York are quite credible. One reason we lost track of this remarkable story, in fact, is that historians have been too quick in recent years to dismiss a handful of prominent witnesses, Ethan Allen, for example, as propagandists who grossly exaggerated conditions in the prisons to inflame public opinion against a cruel enemy. But there's simply too much testimony from too many different sources and over too many years to be disposed of so neatly. This doesn't mean that Americans were correct when they alleged that the British intended the deaths of so many captives. My reading of the evidence is that the thousands of Americans who perished in New York during the Revolution were the victims of something well beyond the usual brutalities and misfortunes of war, even 18th century war a lethal convergence, as it were, of obstinacy, condescension, corruption, mendacity, and indifference. Although the British didn't deliberately kill American prisoners in New York, they might as well have done. Did Americans treat their prisoners any better? Not necessarily, though, as we'll see, circumstances were such that their capacity for inhumanity in this context was never fully tested. Some, at least, if only to prove that they were not British, attempted to set higher, more humane standards for the treatment of prisoners of war. 
Third, it became apparent to me that the prisoners of New York have been forgotten more than once. On several occasions over the last two hundred years, a variety of groups and individuals found reason to recall the story and tried to anchor it in public memory with appropriate memorials. That they didn't succeed was partly due, as Grant Thorburn foresaw, to the feverish transformation of Manhattan's built environment. Today every tangible link with its revolutionary past has been destroyed, except for a chapel holding on bravely in the shadows of downtown skyscrapers, an old iron fence, and a former country house tucked into a corner of Upper Manhattan. No wonder even native-born New Yorkers, let alone the millions of visitors who converge on the city every year, have trouble recalling the thousands of American prisoners of war who died there under circumstances as dismal as any to be found in...